I'm Abby Gibb, and welcome to the Full Body Fuck Yes Podcast, a Soulfire production. Hi, welcome to the Full Body Fuck Yes Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Gibb, and today, let's talk about sex. Who just heard that song? This is a very generational thing. Let's talk about sex, baby. But honestly, if I just say the word sex a couple more times, I've got your attention, right? It's almost the new year, and I refuse, as your podcast bestie, to let you go one more year without having the most epic sex of your entire fucking life. Sex can be massively healing. When I began to tap into my deepest sexual desires, I gave voice and love to them. I acted on them. That's another part. My entire life. And when I say my entire life, I mean everything profoundly changed. I was more successful. I started a business. I was able to heal a money story, right? I found this inner peace and acceptance. I felt safe. I was more kind to myself and others. I mean, literally, you name it. When I say that sex can be massively healing, yeah. Which is why I want you to meet Alexa Bodich, otherwise known as that sex chick. Take some goddamn responsibility for what you want. Kink has been so healing. Okay. So she's got this massive social media following. She's got podcasts, courses, programs. She's helped thousands of people achieve epic sex and deeply fulfilling relationships. And hopefully after this episode, you will too. Okay. I have been excited is an understatement (laughs) to get to dive into this conversation today. Alexa, thank you for being here. Yay. I'm so excited. I am a full body fuck yes to this podcast experience with you. You can't see at home, but the two of us are smiling from ear to ear when (laughs) right before we press record, we both were essentially like, um, so nothing's off limits, Mm -hmm. uh, given the names that sex chick and full body fuck. Yes. We're just going to go there. So I'm going to say right now, not that it always isn't this way with my shows. Uh, but you should probably put some earphones in and keep the little ones away. Because this is going to go into some NC-17. We're going to go there today. (laughs) I also don't want anyone to feel this sense of urgency that this is the only time you're going to hear from Alexa. I would love for all of you to submit your questions to us after this episode. um, And we'll be able to have Alexa back again to ask all things, whatever comes up today. I don't even know what's going to come up today. Neither do I. We'll let the story unfold. Perfect. I love that. So first off, congratulations. You just mm. got married. I did. I did the thing I, for about a decade, didn't think that I was going to do. Yeah. Have you ever did been it. married before? No. Nope. Yeah. This is it, right? Mm-hmm. Same this for is, me. This is it. I've been engaged. I was engaged in a, pre, in a previous relationship. Um, that relationship, what I, I would say is the foundation for all the work that I do now. I learned all the things that I didn't want in life and in sex and in love and in relationship and all of that. Um, thanks to that really sad relationship. <laughs> but that's the so, beauty of, yeah, of it, yeah. right? The same for me. For sure. I was 24 when I called off my first wedding. How old were you? I think when we split, I was maybe 26, yeah. 25, 26. Can you imagine baby us? No. No, no, no. Oh, wait. Yep. It served its purpose. Mm-hmm. And I am so grateful. So like getting getting Same. married at 33 and where I am in life now is a is total contrast to then. Completely. I feel like in my 20s, I wanted a wedding, not a marriage. And yeah. in my 30s, 
I wanted a baby, but not to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been this big delineation of being so grateful that it didn't work out because of how much I learned. What was, what was the biggest fuck no from that first serious relationship that has carried you through? So there's the idea of, and people use this term radical honesty when radical honesty is like, you just say whatever comes to your mind without really taking pause, tact, discernment with the delivery of the information. So, uh, when I was in that relationship, it was so much information was hidden from me and kept from me and so many lies. And so, and I was like, I only want to be with people who, you know, like really speak their truth and the truth and tell the truth. You know, I was in that relationship and, and I didn't know what was true and what wasn't true and what my reality was and what wasn't real. And, and it was kind of all over the place, a lot of manipulation, a lot of lies, a lot of cheating, a lot of like, I couldn't believe that I had gotten into the position that I was in at the end of that relationship. Like I, I was like, who are you? How could you have let this for multiple years go on like this? And so I like self-abandonment, it was like yeah. abandoning my heart and abandoning my body and not speaking up for what I really, truly wanted, but speaking up enough that he always knew that I was not happy, but not doing anything about it. Neither party actually taking responsibility and doing anything about it. And so, you know, I want, I wanted to be in a relationship where we speak the truth to each other, but then I don't only just want radical honesty where like the stuff just flops out of your mouth without consideration for like, I'm in my luteal phase. Maybe yeah. phrase that a little bit differently, you know? <laughs> you know? And so I'm like actually in a partnership now where there is discernment and there is tact. And I have this person that is empathetic, like is empathetic and is compassionate. And we are on a team and, and we both to the depths of our, you know, on our core and our soul, we know that we're not trying to fuck with the other person. Like yes. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to piss you off. I want to be in connection with you. And sometimes it's a little crunchy in order to get to vulnerability in order to get to actual intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so being in the relationship now, the thing that I took from before was I was lied to a lot and I don't want to be lied to anymore. So like, I want to create the environment that's safe to tell the truth and to speak the truth and to also be considerate of all the parties that are involved. That was the first thing that came up. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, I wish I had a fuck yes button. I should make one now. <laughs> thanks to you that I could just click and be like, yes, that is a fuck yes. That is a full body fuck yes. What would you want to say to that 26 year old girl that is so lost and so hurt and has abandoned herself for so long and maybe even told herself the lie that this was her only shot at deep, profound love? Mm. Mm. Girl, just wait. Yeah. Just wait, just wait for a sec. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just have patience, you know, have patience and have grace and keep going. Cause at the time I was traveling a lot. Um, I lived on cruise ships for almost six years and I have been all around the world several times over 79 countries, um, during the time that I was on the on ships. And so I, I'd gotten to over 30% of the world, um, uh, before I was 30 years old, which was so really cool. cool. Yeah. So I was distracted. It was easy for me to stay and maintain, and maintain being distracted. And like, there were so many things that hurt so badly and so many things that it's like, Oh, this person who asked me to spend forever with them and gave me the ring and did all this whole song and dance 
how could this person hurt me in these ways? And, and even after the breakup, which was, you know, we split and it was supposed to be this, like, we're going to do this amicably. We both know that this isn't right for each other. And I will never forget the day that I went to pay for lunch and I was in Brazil and I was so far away from us banks and my card was declined. And come to find out, he'd taken the money out of that account and closed the account. It was my only card for money. And I wasn't going to be in the States for the better part of a month as my ship repositioned to back to the United States. And just feeling so like, how could I have let someone in my life that would fuck with me this much? And when I look back in our interactions, he was not a malicious person. It, you know, but that was a part of the the charm. He was so charming. It was yeah. never malicious. It was always like, oh, but these things always, he could make them make sense yes. to, to everyone. And so, um, yeah, I just like looking, looking back at that time. I mean, when, when that ended, I was like, there's no way this is all that is for me. There's no way. Then I wound up like getting very distracted with my work and being able to travel still and being like good riddance to this person, though I was a little bit hardened my heart was a bit hardened after that because it was like, Oh, I'm not letting anyone anywhere close. Yes. Like this is not worth it. And so it's really like maybe even on the, the few months post breakup, it would be, um, do what you got to do, girl. Like it's cool. Use the alcohol. If you want to use the alcohol, use the food. If you want to use the food and just like, don't get attached to it. Cause you're going to come through this. And, and like, you're going to learn so much. So just like do your thing, like flop around and run into shit and fuck shit up and gain some weight and get in trouble and lose that aspect of your job. And cause like all that stuff happened and it felt like I was being, you know, like kind of scraped around rock bottom for a while. Uh, and then yeah. I was like, Oh, I think I'm going to change all of this. Cool. It's like, just have patience. Like you're going to, you're going to figure it out. It's going to be so much better. So much better than you could have ever hoped for. I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of shame, Alexa, that can happen for all of us when we get to a place where we're like, how did this fucking happen? I remember sitting there going, I came from a good family. I had this whole idea that certain things would protect me from this kind of pain. Oh, I was great in school. I was a good student. I'm laughing because like a sweet Abby really thought like, if I have a good family and I do the right thing, these things won't happen to you. Mm-hmm. And literally standing in shock that that someone like me, I'm using air quotes here, could have this happen to me. And it took a long time to catch up to my reality because I had been gaslit and I had been gaslighting myself. I had internalized and normalized so much trauma for so long. For sure. It took a long time to release that. The last question I have on this season of your life When my ex-fiance asked me to marry him, I remember viscerally thinking no, like the whole room was shouting no in my head. And then I said, yes. And Mm -hmm. what stuck with me is what you said about self-abandonment. And I think anyone that's listening has a moment in their life, romantic partner or otherwise, where you chose to do what you thought was quote, right, or you should, or what was expected of you instead of what was right for you. And it was a, it's a painful moment of self-abandonment. Did you feel like a full body fuck yes or a full body fuck no when he asked you? No, that was a no. It was a hard no. And yet you stuffed it, right? Right. I mean, I was also 23. 
Same. I was 23 at the time. And so, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh, you, you did what you thought was next. Yeah. It's the right next step, right? On the checklist. Like that's just ring this person. This means they're choosing me. And I was also, this person worked on ships with me. So we lived this from the outside looking in. It was a fairy tale. I was afraid to let people down. I was afraid to look like a failure and I was afraid to look like it wasn't real all along this, like this sweep you off your feet, fairy tale romance, traveling the world. I was afraid of like it just people back at home, you know, back at home, there's my air quotes. Like they, they having something to say about it. And so I just kept the facade and I kept thinking, you know what, it'll just get better. It'll get better. All these red flags, they'll turn green eventually. Right. Or I just make a full scarf of them, one or the other. But yeah, when I called it off, when I called it off, Alexa, I remember telling my mom, sweet Abby, I remember telling my mom, but my aunts already bought their flights. That was a real thing for me. So if that was you, I would love to hear, by the way, those of you that actually went through it, because I think there, I can't think of a greater blessing than that bullet dodged for both of us. Because I would be divorced with two kids, bitter as fuck right now. Oh yeah. Hands down. I know it. For sure. And yet here you are in your post-marital bliss. You're straight up glowing. Great. Yeah. Because my spray tan has worn off and my (laughs) eyelash extensions have all fallen out. You, You look like a goddess. So I'm just going to receive that. Yep. Yep. You look amazing. (laughs) What did that feel like as somebody who's getting ready to get married as well in just a few months for the first time? Congratulations. Thank you. It feels really crazy because we both live very unconventional lives. And yet we, we crave this one sort of more conventional, again, so many air quotes today, but like normal thing. What did that feel like walking down the aisle? Wearing the white dress. You looked beautiful, mm-hmm. by the way. I mean, it was chef's kiss. Chef's kiss <laughs> of a wedding. I lived vicariously through your Instagram. Oh, uh, so good. Yeah, it was a festival-themed wedding because yep. we really fell in love at Envision Festival in Costa Rica in 2018. And so we also, I, you know, I do it big in life. My stories are all very colorful. <laughs> and I only realized just how colorful they were. And so we, you know, when we moved to Austin, I was trying to make friends and you know, doing the whole get to know you song and dance. And I was just like steadily telling my story and people asking me questions in my story. I'm like, oh yeah, I've lived a real colorful life. Yeah. And even Jordan and I, him being on, um, him being in California and me being in New Orleans, we met on Facebook and within two, it was like two weeks after we met on Facebook, he was flying to meet me in person to see if it was all real. How did you guys meet? Did he like slide into your DMs? Like, yeah. What did he say? He actually did a freestyle rap. No, he didn't stop. Yes, he did. It was I did not know at this. the wedding. It was played at the rehearsal dinner. I die. Yeah. My face is yeah. like, okay, go. Give me more details. He's super uh, extra. He's super extra and very flamboyant with his character. And I just, I have, if you look at all of my, the guys that I have dated, there's two very definitive types. There's tall, tall dark, brooding, handsome, and boyish beautiful, charismatic. Like they're two kind of totally different. I'm like, oh, yeah. you know what? I've had enough of you. I'm going to go over there for a little while. And then when I've had enough of that one, I'm going to go over there. For... Anyway, um, he's just like a Greek God. He's so beautiful, takes such good care of himself and his body. And just like, is, has so much confidence. Yeah. He's in a fraternity growing up or in college. And so I don't know what it was about me online. Cause there's plenty of people in California where he was living at the time that he could date. For some reason, he liked this, you know, this moody, deep, chick 
that's, you know, a little vampiric in new Orleans, um, liked her there, I choose you. And so he came for me, which I tell people, clients, people who are in my community and stuff. I'm like, if the, if the guy wants you, he will show up. If you are chosen, he will show up through and through. Like you, can't scare your, you cannot scare your person away. Quite the contrary. <laughs> I try. And, trust me. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. And uh-huh. and someone that looks like him and fits this particular bill that I think women a lot of times would like maybe look at the 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 character, the archetype of Jordan, my um, husband, which is so crazy right? to say, really weird. And would go, oh yeah, he's a fuck boy, or he, you know, he probably just slays and like. You know, like when it, what, what person would ever lock him down? Like he just looks like this thing. Yeah. And then when he found the thing that he wanted, nothing was going to get in his way. That's so wild. So, you know, for, for us to wind up together today is just gives me hope for lots of people, Same. you know? So walking down the aisle, I mean, when, when I first got together with him, I told him that I you know was questioning monogamy, my feelings about monogamy and like how we are supposed to mate with one person for the rest of our lives. But really, it's serial monogamy because I'm just going to be with you, this one person until I decide we're done. And sex may or may not be a factor in us deciding that we're done. And then I would go into the next relationship and I'm exclusively only having sex with you, serial monogamy, right? And so I was questioning how I felt about that and you know, just the, the questioning of, do you share genitals or do you not share genitals and, you know, with other people in relationship and, you know, it's just in the inquiry. A great way to say that. Do you share genitals or do you not share genitals? Yeah. Check a and box. I, I talked, I told him about, you know, just my, my, um, curiosities around kink and exploration and sex and things that I learned about myself. And it was all very foreign to him. Okay. You know, this, this me is this creature that's like very, um, sexually curious and open and expressed and questioning a lot of things. Like, is this right and true for me? It was very, very new for him. He was very vanilla. And like, I understand sex is this way and relationships go this way. And then I was like, well, how about all these other ways? (laughs) And how do we know which one's best for us? I mean, that's a, that's the piece I want to sit with later in this conversation, which I've really come to not just it's a spectrum, it's a menu. And some days you're hungry for a snack. Some days you want a five course meal. Like there's just so much more than, I feel like it's prison bread and water is what's sold to us. And it's just sad when you realize you could have a flaming cocktail and salad and there's (laughs) a flaming cocktail and salad. Yeah. You know, toss it. Tossed. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that really brings me kind of sort of brings me back to like, how did I feel walking down the aisle? I'm with a person who has met me and we're going to continue growing together. We're both individually mm-hmm. committed to our growth, but we're collectively co- committed to our relationships growth and the uh, evolving consciousness and a little meta or a little woo here, but like yeah. the evolving consciousness that is the entity of us. Yes. Like my parts, my uh, the pieces and parts of me and the pieces of parts of him, they come together and create a separate entity that is, you know, let's say we jokingly call it uh, Jabowski, which is Jordan, Alexa, Bowditch, and Jordan puts ski on the end of everything. So Jabowski, Jabowski. Um, or Jorlexa, which our two first names together don't make a cool. It's not like, quite the same as like... Brangelina. Yeah, not but, quite, but I go also uh, go there for you. Yeah. So there's, there's, we, we committed to these things and it was in our vows. And it's like, I, I know that with you, 
anything is available if I want it. It's several, maybe many difficult conversations away, or maybe it's just one like, Hey, I'm curious about this. Want to do this thing. And, and there's something so powerful and so special about being with the person that for me, being with the person that I know, no matter what I bring to the table, they're going to go, let's check it out. And that doesn't mean we go do it. It means let's go there mentally. Let's go there energetically. Let's see what could be there for us. And for some kooky, crazy ideas, it all that we might need to do is just talk about it and the itch is scratched. And some of it, it continues to come up. And whether that has to do with sex and sharing partners or us being in a completely monogamous container, whatever it looks like. So, you know, walking down the aisle to Jordan was very like, anything is possible for me in this relationship, which I'd never felt before. Do you need to check a box? Are you, mon- are you as Kelly says, our friend, our friend Kelly says monogamish? Like, do you need a box? to check it all? Or y'all just like, I choose you every day and the Whatever rest that comes with comes mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. That's so special. And I, I love that there's more of us yes. who feel this way in our relationships talking about it because I think, you know, people get into relationships and they might listen to our shows or, you know, or, or just it, their experience of life has been like, it, it's supposed to look and feel and fit like this exactly. box. And yes. when it's, and then when it doesn't, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm broken and I'm too much and I'm a failure and I'm not built for this. And, you know, and that's, that's another way that like, I think a lot of people either get really saddened and really down on themselves and maybe not like leave themselves open for love or they just get hard, which I experienced for the better part of, I don't want to say a decade. It was most of my twenties all the way up until I met Jordan that I said, I didn't, I, I was in that first engagement. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm not going to do this marriage thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm certainly not going to be a mom. Like certainly yeah. not. I'm not going to do either of those things. Um, I don't need a merit. I don't need a certificate, and I don't need the law. I certainly don't need the law to like prove my love and all these things. And I said that I did the whole song and dance, so like the pendulum swinging the other way. Yeah. And I also did the mother thing where I'm like, I like to sleep, and I value my like myself and my body, and uh, and I just don't think I'm cut out for that. And then some time went by, and probably some psychedelics were had. Yep. And, and then it was, oh, JK, you're actually just scared. You're scared of what it will require of you in order to let these beautiful things into your life. And you'd rather put this facade up that you're a strong, independent, sex positive, whatever, whatever, insert adjective, woman. And you are going to focus on your brand and your career. And you're going to have relationships that suit you. Don't necessarily push you to growth, but suit you and where you're at right now. And, and this is the story that you're going to tell yourself is what's going to make you happy. And once I realized that I couldn't turn, like I couldn't unknow it. Oh, you're not doing these things because you are scared. And okay. So then, then what? Like that's like the, that was like the next thing to peel back in life. Um, in my growth and in my development. And so, and of course, sex is a big part of that too. Of course. Yeah. Wow. I, I honor already how juicy this conversation is and the depth that you're already willing to go with me. I just, I love it. We're not, we're not even like snorkeling. We're scuba diving right in and I'm here (laughs) for it. I think a piece that's really resonating with me in this moment is I'm the, I'm realizing the mere opposite because in so many ways, our story really parallels each other yeah. almost to the exact same age. Um, I'm a little bit older, but here's what happened for me. I 
felt so um, abandoned by that situation that I consistently sought out feeling chosen, not just in romantic relationships. And that's why this is so, this conversation is so powerful because sex is such a beautiful mirror for all the places we're craving intimacy throughout our life. And so I was choose, I was wanting to feel chosen. I was pick me about jobs, about friends, about relationships, about sex, all of it. And I desperately, Alexa, wanted to be married. And I had chosen my kid names. And I thought this was my path that I would feel finally chosen. I would be, someone wanted to make a child with me. Someone wanted to promote me in a business, right? Like I, I wanted that feeling. And this is going to sound a little cliche, but I know, you know me well enough to know this is my truth. I finally, I mean, it took a long time. Let's not sugarcoat this, but I finally, finally chose me. And I could only do that from the container of not being in any relationship whatsoever. And what I mean that is for the first time in my life, I'm living at home again, healing from Lyme. I'm in no sexual relationship whatsoever. I don't have a job for the first time in my life. I mean, all of those pieces. And it was in that container that I was able to finally quiet myself enough to choose me. And from that decision and meeting Aaron, who just rocked my world and was just not what I was expecting and has pushed me consistently, I came to this place that I realized in a really scary way that my voice still shakes. I actually haven't shared this on the podcast yet that, that I don't want children that that was a should. And thanks to the mushroom gods, I was able to realize (laughs) that I was really covered still quite a bit in shame um, to let other people down. And that the model for women has been exactly what you shared. I felt very dichotomous in my options. It was either I'm all in on my career, my brand. I don't have time for kids. I don't want kids. I've never wanted kids. I hear that story a lot. And I'm like, but that's not me. I've always wanted kids, right? And then I hear this other story of, oh, children fulfilled me. It was my greatest calling in life. And I'm like, that's not me either. And what that parallels for me and only me is also my sexuality where I heard that you could be straight or you could be gay. And I was like, but I don't understand because I definitely like boobs and kissing girls and having sex with girls is fucking awesome. 10 out of 10 chef's kiss would recommend, but I love Dick. Dick is great. I love sucking it. I love fucking it. I love doing all the kinds of things with it. I told you, you should have the earphones in. I'm just warning you right now. I said it was an NC 17 conversation and like, I felt like, all right, well, if I'm only half, I definitely still like Dick. So I can just stuff that other half, right? Because I didn't see a lot of examples growing up that bi was a thing. It was called a phase most of the time. And I hope that this conversation today liberates everyone, that there are just so many more options available that Alexa gets to craft what monogamy, what commitment, what marriage looks like to you, and then creating this beautiful family that you're building your body 
to be able mm-hmm. to have. That's such a beautiful gift to yourself and to your future family. And on the inverse side, if you always thought you wanted kids and now you realize that maybe you'd love some time to just be you outside of that, that's safe and that's okay. And just because you liked a certain gender doesn't mean you may not be interested in exploring other genders and that's okay. Can this episode just be called It's Okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's so good. It's okay. How many people at home have been told that you are too much, that you're bossy, that you're intimidating, that you like sex like a guy? Okay, that's whatever the fuck that means, right? Mm -hmm. And essentially invalidating your power, your strength, your worth consistently through life. And that fucking shows up in the bedroom. Because here's mine. When I was told that, I assumed that then I was just supposed to lay there and I would do whatever the guy wanted to do at whatever time he wanted to do it. And that I needed to dim myself down so that I wasn't too intimidating because I heard consistently, you'll be single forever if you keep acting like this, as if that was my only goal in life, but whatever. Mm -hmm. What do you say to the alpha females, which is pretty much everyone listening? about this pain that we've been carrying. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I identify as this alpha woman, alpha female character. Uh, and that's, I think a a product of the, the times that we're living in. Um, and I mean, if I just look at myself growing up where I grew up, South Louisiana, the idea was, or what was, what was more or less sold to me is go through school and make sure to go to college because women go to college now and you get your education. So like get that, check that box, get a career because women can do anything they want these days, but don't get too attached to it because you the whole point is at some point here, you're supposed to find your significant other, your husband, and then together you will buy the house, get the dog in this order, get the two kids, do the whole fence situation you know, and it's painted as this American dream. And it's like, oh, and then that's really the the purpose of your life is to really be a mother and to be the matriarch of a family. And I thought that that's, of course, the little me was like, yeah, this looks great. But what was modeled for me was very different. My mom has been married five times. And so funnily enough, so is my husband's mother has also been married five times. And my stepfather now, so my my mom's most recent husband has been in my life for half my life. So she was married many times on, on her way to bringing me into the world. Uh, and so Ernie is my stepdad's name now. And they have been together. I think they have to be going on like 15, more than 15, 15, some nine years. And that's her longest relationship of her life is, wow. is one that she got, she got into at 50 years old. This so, is fascinating. I know. And, and she is military. She's retired military. She was his boss. Like that was what was modeled for me is like this really powerful woman that just kind of cycled through men. Mm. But my grandparents and even my sister, they modeled much older than me. My sister's 13 years older than me. They modeled like you get with your high school sweetheart basically and you stay with them no matter what, no matter how miserable you are, no matter how misaligned you are. And like the whole point 
to have a successful relationship in marriage is to honor your commitments. And a successful relationship is one that has longevity and not depth and connection. So ding, ding, ding. I, yep. I got all these messages, these mixed messages. Um, and I took them and I attempted the first thing, but the, the components of, I would say who I am as, as a woman, as a person, as a Leo, as a manifester, as like somebody that has a lot of fire and a lot of earth in her chart that like whose stars and profile types and all these charts say you're, you're built to lead. You are built to speak, to uh, be a thought leader, to guide the masses. Like there's all of this affirmation, but then life told me, yes, do that. And then also at some point you're going to have to turn that down. Like if you want a partnership and you like want this thing, this other thing that, you know, is, is in contrast to the other stuff that you want. And at some point you're going to have to just chill the fuck out. And so I, I gave a lot of it a try. So taking all of this information and attempting to unravel it so I could actually have what I really, truly desired, which is a little bit of all of those things, um, has been challenging. Getting into a relationship with Jordan is the first person that I've been able to, to, have a relationship with that, that meets me in it's, it's okay. Well, actually I would say the growth and development that I had done in relationships and then taking time to be separate, like to be on my own, really important leading up to Jordan. So by the time Jordan and I got together, I was already aware of the, let's say alpha qualities. Yes. me And too. so I, I wouldn't apologize for them. No, because that's not how I'm apologizing for my power. What are you talking about? Um, so I'm not apologizing for them, but I'm, I was able to communicate about them. And so be, because of me having this strong will, my desire is not to impose it upon you, have your masculinity feel challenged, have your sex drive for me and like desire for me go down and have my testosterone get boosted just so I can have my way. And you feel like I'm beating anything that has to do with you down with my energy and my words and my language and all that. Cause that's like a lot of some of the shadowy stuff. So uh, yeah, this relationship is. has been an exercise. It is one giant exercise in me asking myself the question, what do I really want in any given moment? Because turning on the alpha and turning on the leader and the decisive, you know, the decision maker and all that is the easy thing for me. What is not easy for me, but it is what I ultimately desire, not all the time, but at times, especially my romantic partnership is surrender. And that doesn't mean passivity. There's a lot of times people get that confused where it's like, oh, I just, I'm a boss in my day-to-day -day life. So in the bedroom, I just want to be told what to do. So you just lay there like a dead fish, like a starfish, starfish. On a bed and are just like, do whatever you want to me. That's not surrender and that's not submission. And that's not, it's not necessarily hot. It could be if you're in a role of playing situation and you embody something, you embody some different characters. But if that's like, a, I just want to turn my brain off and you tell me what to do. It's like, no, you can still be the alpha person in your day-to-day -day life and actively choose to want to surrender and actively choose, well, not to want to surrender that too, but also to surrender to your partner. And so if you embody that alpha all the time and the critic and um, the person that's just continuously trying to guide and you have this partner, especially if it's masculine pole, and they are wanting to be in relationship with you, especially sexual relationship, and they want to be with their female partner, but both your dicks are out. They're just trying to boss each other. Like it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
So that has been definitely something that that is on the top of my list of things that I'm working with and working on is how do I how do I maintain my authenticity and my character, but also have access to other parts of me that are also authentic and a part of my character, which is sweet and gracious and graceful and ethereal and magical and mystical and even little girl-like at times. Like she's in there too. So how do I authentically like make a space and work with my partner to create a, a space for me to let those things out too, authentically? And that's fucking hard for a lot of people. It's myself included. Really fucking hard. But I have never, I've never heard anybody describe it better. Mm-hmm. I feel really seen in this episode. Holy fuck, Alexa. <laughs> now, most people that I have on, I have some sort of connection before you and I have a mutual friend, but I've actually never spoken to you before this podcast. And I already was stoked, but holy fuck, you are magical. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Wow. I really deeply appreciate the way that you're able to put language and context around what can be a really nuanced conversation. And that is a really powerful gift that you've just given me. And I want to appreciate Mm. that. Thank you. And also I know how many women might be liberated in their power on this episode, because that is a massive part of this. And I feel like an integrity about my relationship that I can share my side of this without drawing any, you know, crossing any boundaries in my relationship with Aaron. But I will say that for me, what I have discovered, and then I would love to hear some tangible ass tips for how a woman can start to do this. For me, it was really starting to play with kink and understanding what kink even means. And usually people think like, oh, handcuffs or, you know, like candles. And like, that's not it for me. Right. And also realizing that parts of my kink might be in seasons. So like I was really into shibari for a while, which is like been so incredibly powerful rope work um, around my pressure points. And it really released a lot of trauma for me. Physically, the pressure points brought up so many emotions that with a very strong partner who could hold that physical and emotional space for me was massively clearing. I did shibari work for about a year and then I just, it was done. Like it, it, I didn't need that anymore, but it was massively supportive. Another one for me is playing with the sexual energies of dominant and submissive. And again, what you're saying, this real surrender. And that is, I am an active participant. I am not a starfish. I am an active participant, but being what I would call the baby girl, feeling taken care of, feeling dominated, feeling seen, appreciated, and that I get to be more in that submissive service role, which I am not in 90% of my day, has been massively healing as well. And like you Mm -hmm. said, I'm not turning my brain off. I'm not just laying there like a starfish. I am very actively sharing exactly what I want. And I set the tone. I tell us what I need in that, in that moment, what kind of energy I'm calling in. Like, are we making love? Are we doing tantric breath work? Do I need to get railed? 
Like I get to set that tone and then surrender to how he wants that space to be held. Thank you for coming to my sexual TED talk. That's what's been in service to me. (laughs) What are some suggestions, you brilliant sex coach, (laughs) that we can also do? And the first thing is from one alpha to another, take some goddamn responsibility for what you want. I am snapping very loudly. I'm mm-hmm. just, I am like, fuck yes button. Tell us what that means, Alexa. Take us to church. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting a sip of water. I am ready. Let's go. Yeah. The gospel it's of so Alexa, the sex chick. I know. And my team does this too. Whenever I, when I do presentations and deliver, like she's preaching, don't knock her down when she's preaching good. I know y'all are so ridiculous. Hallelujah. Um, Give it to me. So, I mean this, the, so just use a little bit of an example. So I love cake. It has shown me so much about myself. I would say kink show me more about myself than almost any other than than any other avenue through personal development outside of possibly psychedelics, but it's different. It's a different type of revealing, I would say, um, and learning that happens. Uh, so kink has been so healing, and like you, you said, baby girl. Like for me, I love DDLG, a a variation of it, which is daddy dom little girl, in which usually people hear that and for the first time if they've never heard it before. Where they're like, oh my God, they're enacting trauma and it sounds like pedophilia and they're one step away from like having sex with kids. That's not what's happening. And if you listen to this and that's still what you want to think, then I would say Google it. Maybe that will help. It probably would help gain perspective, but just that's not what's happening. That's so just not what's happening. Take it for what it is, that's not what's happening. Um, how I like to, to describe it for myself is I grew up without a father. So I just mentioned my mom's married many times. I grew up not trusting men. They leave. They go somewhere else and I don't need them. So when you were sharing parts of your story, Abby, it's, it's, yeah, I wanted to be chosen for me. I'm like, I'm better off without you. That has been a lot of my times. My pattern has been like, oh, cool. You, you, how about I go before you? Fuck you. So I had to grow up. And so for me, having a space and having an opportunity to embody a little girl that I didn't actually get to divulge into when I was an actual little girl is so many adjectives freeing, liberating, beautiful, healing. And so if, if I'm with a romantic partner and I have the, the, the gall, if I have the audacity to say that I actually want to create a situation where I feel like a little kid, like that's so vulnerable, especially to say that to a person who's like, what? You want me to do what? You want me to, you want to call me daddy? And they have no idea. You know, I'm like, I grew up my entire life. And the times when I've said daddy, the most have been in sexual situations or with romantic partners, but you know, decently into my twenties. Like that is such a foreign word for me. Mm-hmm. So what do dads do? Like as an example, they take care. So if you have kids or whatever, then you think like, oh, brush hair, bath time, book, like very sweet, gentle kinds of things. And like this whole DDLG is on a spectrum, I would say. So for me, it's an example. Jordan has, he, it was hard for him at first to really learn this language and stuff. And it took a lot out of me. It felt like I was swallowing glass shards while I tried to explain to him for the first time, some of the things that I wanted. Cause it was just like, fuck, it's so vulnerable and you don't know. And I'm afraid if you reject me, like, where's this going to go? And so shared some pieces with him and it took the better part of a year of me having patience and him choosing to feel the feels of I'm not enough for her letting that 
go through his nervous system and then still choosing, I'm going to learn new things. And then for me to go have patience with his process, because while he's saying yes to learning new things, that doesn't necessarily that when he learns it, he's going to also be turned on by it. But I don't want to play with someone who's not turned on by the delivery of the thing that I desire, because that's not congruent either. So we had to have a lot of patience with each other in learning our different desires and knowing that I was with a person that didn't, wasn't really sure what his alternative desires could be outside of regular old sex, just changing the person. I'm asking for the sex with the same person, but many, many different ways. That was a challenge. So like it took that, like I said, the better part of a year for us to find a middle ground of like, oh, this is how we learn how to sex and be sex with each other to um, take pause with each other's nervous systems, honor healing um, and trauma and all this stuff in the midst of it. And so to fast forward, like what he understands is what could be a really beautiful experience for my little girl, my inner little girl. You don't get rid of your inner child. They're inside of you. And so um, is to run a bath. Maybe I have just gotten off of a bunch of podcast recordings and I'm working and I'm in the office and I'm like, I got, I got shit done because I run the company that both of us work for. We both work for like... It was in my bridesmaids, my maid of honor speech is, was that I am literally his boss. And so how do I then create an environment where I want to surrender to my partner who I just told what to do all day? So for him, that could look like, okay, I'm going to meet her where she's at. I'm going to draw the bath for her. And I'm going to tell her to get in. The salt, the bubbles, the things will already be in there. It's, hey, go get in the bathtub. And then I'll just immediately like, there'll, there'll be a little moment of tension where I like want to fight it because I'm like, I have other things to do. And then I just let it go. And then I, sometimes he might then help me get undressed. Like maybe a parent would help a kid get undressed. And with every next thing that he does, I feel myself letting go more and more. And it is an active thing that I am present with. It's not just something I snap my fingers and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to be this soft, sweet little girl. It is like... I, my insides try to rebel and enact a pattern that I had from when I was an actual little girl. And I am actively giving myself space to have the thing that I didn't get when I was a kid. And so then he might put me in the bathtub and then he'll sit on the toilet and he'll read to me. Or he will tell me, I'm going to let you be by yourself for a little while. And then I'm going to come back. And then maybe he drains the water, has me stand up, dries me off, mm -hmm. has my clothes ready, brushes my hair. He, maybe he'll like come get in my lap all things I didn't get. And I could get emotional just talking about it. And because sex, while yes, maybe that will lead to a sexual situation, but I don't have sex as my little girl. I have sex as the adult fucking woman. But, I, but what led to the sex was this really sweet, connective, vulnerable place that only that kind of environment is going to allow me to go. And so I trust him more. And with that trust breeds safety. With that safety is pleasure and orgasms and all of that good stuff too. And then we come out on the other side. The sex usually looks kind of the same, but what led to the sex and maybe what the aftercare is, is what changes. And our sexuality is each individual unique, like our fingerprint is. And so you... 
you get to navigate life, let's say with your romantic partner. And if you were the alpha woman to like bring it back, you have to take responsibility. What do you actually want? Which means you've got to ask yourself, what do I want? Or am I projecting and putting that all off on my partner? There's absolutely no way that Jordan, my husband could have known what to do or how to do this whole little girl scene that I picture I just painted. There's no way he could have understood even the beginning of it. I had to show up and it's not always easy, especially as the alpha person, the person who leads a lot to go. Now I also have to fucking teach you. Like, why can't you just know that's not fair. You got a person who's on the other side looking at you and all they want to do is provide pleasure to you and do right by you. And you go, you should already know, shut the fuck up. That's not going to get you absolutely anywhere. You must take responsibility, which means you must know what you actually want. So do due diligence. And if you don't know, that's okay. Yeah. Why I want to stop for I a second. A, a business. Yeah. <laughs> because I was just going to say now that is why you should hire that sex chick. Because how the fuck do you know in the beginning how any of this works? Right. And I don't want you at home in the grocery store, in the shower, wherever you are right now to have one ounce, one drop of shame that you're sitting there going, what the fuck are they both talking about? It sounds kind of racy, kind of scary, kind of like it, maybe, e, uh, but I don't have any idea where to start. That's literally why I had that sex chick on this show because <laughs> you should start with her. For me, aftercare, which I'd love you to explain in your professional opinion, mm. definition of what aftercare is. But for me, that exact same scenario, again, never talked to this lady before. Okay. I didn't know Alexa either. That's exactly what I do. And for me, I had abandonment issues around my father. He was physically there, but emotionally he was gone since a very early age. And I crave that still to this day. And Aaron either does that as aftercare or he does it beforehand, like you stated, but that's a very big part for us is having very set routines of aftercare. So it would be cuddling, making me food, brushing my hair, giving me a bath or a shower, um, any of those pieces, which I had to tell him, by the way, this is not like he just is a mind reader. So can you help us? What is kink? Sure. I mean, it's a broad. Yeah. It's a broad definition, I would say. And aftercare is... Once the sex is complete, what is the care that's after? And it's not necessarily sex that has to be things were penetrated and orifices and all that. It's just after this intimate exchange or sexual energy came up and turn on was there. What's the care after that? Um, And that can look like all the things that you outlined, food, water, shower, bath, cuddles, space, a blanket. It can look all kinds of things. Um, And kink. So kink encompasses non-normative sexual behaviors, basically. So normal would be you have sex in maybe a couple of different positions. It's very heteronormative, monogamous or serial monogamous or something like that. And kink is um, going to be more on the, the things that, that elicit a taboo, a sense of taboo, which that is relative. So like what might be kinky to me? Is it necessarily going to be all that kinky to you and maybe vice versa? And so um, use it as a kind of broad term for 
non-normative sexual behaviors, which um, paraphilia, if I'm not mistaken, is the actual term for that non-normative, the, the liking non-normative sexual behaviors, which there've been studies about how many people actually are into kinky things, paraphilias. Um, and it's determined about half the population. So if that's the case, sounds pretty normal to me. Right. I was going to, I'm actually kind of surprised 50%. I would have guessed more like 75. My, my response is, and then you're not accounting for the percentage on the other side that doesn't know yet. They just haven't been introduced to it yet. So they just, they just don't know. Right. That's how I feel. I kind of think that everybody's got a little kinky twisted fuck inside of them, which is, you know, and how that expresses who knows. Yeah. It's unique to you. So, um, kind of bringing it maybe to some more tangible things that they, if you are listening and you don't really know what any of these things mean. And I just described this whole deal with my partner and the realness about it and how we were able to navigate all those things. Like I also, I was, I wound up and I have, it's interestingly my second most listened to episode on my show Mm -hmm. on that sex chick. And it's, um, (laughs) It's how I was introduced to BDSM and I go into detail and just story tell of how I, I wound up also lucking out and, and, and connecting with someone that I didn't know what DS was, dominant yeah. submissive. It's usually abbreviated a capital D forward slash and a small S, mm-hmm. dominant submissive. And if those words are a little bit charged for you or you're just like, oh, I don't really understand, just think of it as leader follower yes. or someone's guiding and the other person is allowing themselves to be taken on a journey. Uh, and so, or somebody's in charge and the other person is taking orders from the other person. Like you can change the words, uh, to where it suits you and your nervous system best. And BDSM is an acronym that falls under kink. So it's fetish under kink and BDSM bondage, dominance, discipline, sadism, submission, masochism, which sometimes sadomasochism is, is abbreviated as one word and it's likes pain and likes to inflict pain. And when we're talking about those things, it's all consensual. Everything is under the understanding of like, this is consensual. You're a person who likes to receive the intensity of some pain pleasure threshold where you're like the, you like to deliver it um, or like wants to be the dominant character, wants to be the submissive character. So all this stuff and fetishes, you are really into something that's not a genital, but it gets you off. Yeah. So some people like leather and they like latex, they like feet. There's lots of different um, fetishes. And so that's, these things are not inherently sexual, but you get off on them. So just, I think I'm giving like a little lesson here. No, this is Uh, like, right. Who else is taking notes? It's like, yes. Okay. Thank you, Miss Alexa. Give us more details. Yes. Great. Perfect. So how do you know what you're into? If you're like listening to this and you're like, cool, what do I even do? So there's a handful of resources that I recommend over and over and over again. Some of them are my own and some of them are just tried and trues out there on the internet. Um, and so if you go to that sexchick.com forward slash resources, I have all of them there. So if Amazing. you want to put that in your show notes, I have all these individual links. It, it would be probably much easier because I have the want, will, won't list, which is like 300 and something questions that are, do you want it? Will you do the thing for a partner or is it an absolute no? And it's just so foundational. If you don't know what you want, then that's a great place to start. And it goes from like kissing and nibbling to like bloodletting, which is this pendulum far on the other side and like peeing on each other. That's like blood and different bodily fluids and stuff. And so it's like, it's going to take you from like super basic PG-13 and then it's just going to get hotter and kind of 
kinkier as it goes. And then you can ask yourself, like, I don't know if the context looked like this, would I be into that? Maybe. But for some people, they just have never asked themselves these questions before in their whole lives. They even have, they have kids, they have marriages, all these things in their life. And they've never asked themselves, would I like to have that thing put in my butt? You know, or like, would I like to put it in somebody's butt? butt? Like, I don't, I don't know. I just had a conversation with a girlfriend who shared with me and is like, you're my like sex friend that I share all of my things because it's judge free. And she's like, I think I want to peg my husband. Yeah. Which for you at home means that she wants to wear a strap on and have sex with her husband. Have sex with her husband. And I had a very visceral response that felt like that is a full body fuck no for me. And I am so excited for her that that is something that they both feel comfortable in wanting to explore. And I cannot recommend this list that she's talking Mm -hmm. about more. Because it's really, it's really eye-opening. First and foremost, what is it that you personally, without any partner involved, what is it that you really want? Because if you don't think about it, you're going to come to some moment where, for me, I was with a partner previous to the one I'm with now, who just was like peeing as I was taking a shower and then was like, what if I just peed on you right now. And I felt Mm -hmm. really unprepared for that conversation. I was like, I'm sorry, you want to, there was a pause. I was just like, not (laughs) quite ready to answer that. And then there's a part of me that feels this guilt. Like I don't want to let him down, you know, but we've literally done nothing. So also, it's also like you get to ramp up y'all by the way. And I'm still a hard no on peeing, that's just on water sports, water sports and sliding scuba, all, all of the waters. (laughs) Nope. Hard. No, but there are things I would say right below or right above or below wherever you are on the spectrum that Alexa's talking about on this list that I'm like, could see a day. The day isn't today, but like, like what's one thing that you aren't, you're not today, Satan, but maybe in the future you're open to. Yeah. You personally. personally. So each of these things where it's like, maybe not today, but like maybe in the future, I would say there's a spectrum. If we went on a scale from one to 10 and that's a 10, then, and you want to work your way up to it, then what would be a one or a two on the way to that? And so like Jordan has expressed, you know, we have this kinky meditation um, that is also a free resource that ramps up. It guides you through a meditation that says you're going to go into a really hot experience, what's around you. And then we just ramp it up from one to 10. And then on the other side of it, it's like, now be with the fact that like, this is in your imagination. Some people are like, I don't even know what to fantasize about. It's like, okay, well, here's put this in your ears and let's see what comes up in your brain. Um, but we were first led through a variation of this at a workshop years ago. And Jordan was actually like kind of beside himself. Like he had some feels about sharing what came up because he wasn't expecting it. And he said that it at the when we by the time that it had gotten to a 10, I was going, I was going down on him and he was getting pegged from behind. Okay. 
So like I, he, like I had his dick in my mouth and someone was behind him and it was another person that we had played with and like had watched us had sex before. And so like, we knew this person was safe and like we'd be down and like in his mind, he created this very safe environment and he was like, so beside himself that he would want. And so that, but then this version of him right here, that's like telling me the story. That's like, he's kind of clammy and a little bit sweaty. And he's like, I can't believe this was in my mind. And I'm like, amazing. And, um, so, but he'd never ever had anything come near his butthole up to that point. So the fact that he thought that was really, it kind of shook him a little bit, I think. So now this opens a conversation of like, do you want some sort of anal play? Because he's got other male friends that are, you know, kind of like, no, that's a hard no. You know, if it's people who are from a certain point in his life that are like, absolutely not. But then he talks about some of his more sex positive friends that are like exploring a little bit more and are really questioning and transforming their ideas around like what makes a man and like, how does a man show up sexually? And like all in the name of pleasure. And he's like all worried about like it disrupting the balance between me being the woman and him being the man and like how our relationship goes down. And like, we can put all that in the vacuum too and just suck that out. And so, you know, let's go to a one or a two. What does it look like? I have so many prostate massagers in my office. Like I can just like, I just see right to my right. There's two in a box right there. There's some on the shelves behind me. Like we... I have lots of butt play things and some that are specifically for people with prostates and penises. And so, you know, we talk, I'm like, well, would you be open to, and it's a, it's a no in sex with me, or it's a no for me doing the insertion. It's a no, that's not pot. That's like a five, six, seven. Okay. So a one is like, he's going to actually look at the toy. He's going to consider the toy. Maybe even self pleasures in the toys there, but he doesn't do anything with it. And it's like a one. Maybe the two is he actually does this himself, which I, I also explain this time. Like if you want to eventually maybe enact this fantasy and maybe not, there's no pressure. You need to know how to do this yourself. Like if, if I've never done this for you and you've never done it for you, then how do you guide me? I don't know. But plus you can go at the pace of your nervous system. So if Mm -hmm. this has always been told in your life that this means you're gay, and you have real feels yeah. and trauma around that from growing up in Ohio. Ooh, then, yeah, you will. Then, then you probably will. <laughs> so you want to go as fast as the slowest part of your nervous system. So I don't know your nervous system. You're going to have to go there with yourself. And so I say that to lots of people. Now you don't have to like put yourself in this crazy scene and in your mind, do it. You don't have to enact it in order to figure it all out, go there in your mind. Then what is the one or the two or the three leading up to this crazy, wild, elaborate scene? And when I say scene, I'm talking about a situation more or less. And that's like 10. So now he's at like a three or a four. Now we've had sex and the prostate massager has been in. And so, but it took all these steps and titrating, you know, little steps to get to I think I'm ready to go for whatever the next big thing is. And so what will won't list. And then if you're looking at a thing then that's on the list and you're like, I want that, but I'm nowhere ready for that right now, then put it on a spectrum. And what would all the numbers look like leading up to that? Then do the one that's next. What's the next one for you? Cause that's for him. Yeah. What's, oh, what's for something me. that you're working on personally for you? This is fascinating. Cool. Well, that was something that I was directly involved in. So yeah, it also gets to be like, is it a kink for you? Well, I get to figure it. I not necessarily a kink for me. What I get to do 
is take responsibility for, I really love my person and I want him to feel good. And I want him to feel like he can bring all his fantasies and we can work through all of the ancestral shit together. And, you know, and just like get it and like transmute and alchemize and all the words and like make it into sex, you know, sprinkle some magic in there. And so like, I, I, so I get to go, how do I make this hot for me? Who do I embody? What do I embody in order for this to be hot for me? Because like sticking a piece of plastic that massages his prostate in his butt and then, you know, like that's not inherently sexy. So like, how do I make it that for me so that I'm meeting him in this thing where he doesn't feel shamed and I don't feel like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Cause I don't. Yeah. The first time I do it, I don't, but that's the next thing anyway, would be me doing the actual inserting. Um, because I've like been there for it, but not done the doing. And so for there's something in that threshold that like kind of just holds him back a little bit as, as me being the one that's doing that feels like very vulnerable. So um, my thing, my like specific individual thing, what did I, so I use this example, which I find really hot, Okay, which I'm okay with doing this thing. And we actually probably will do this after I say it, I'll text it to him. <laughs> <laughs> but we use this example as it's really hot to think I'm going to go on a date and my partner maybe has like a bullet vibrator that he's put in my purse or it's in his pocket and he hands it to me. We order and he hands it to me and he says, go to the bathroom and don't come back until you've had two orgasms at dinner, you know? And then, you know, when you come back, blah, 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 blah. We insert all kinds of other kinky stuff. Yeah. Like, Let me smell your fingers or like put your fingers in my mouth or like some, something like that, that is just like kind of seals the deal. So for some people, they hear that and like in theory and in an erotic novel, that would be really hot. But to them having an orgasm and doing something sexual in a public place where other people could hear or they could be or something like that. Well, first off, if you are do it in a way where you expect for people to see you and you really, and you want them to see you, then that's not consensual. Don't do that. That's, that's not cool. Um, but if you're in a bathroom stall and it's private and you know, you wait for a moment where everybody exits the bathroom, whatever, some people could hear that and go, I could never do that. So like, what would be the thing that's like a one, two or three would be like, you're just in another room inside your house. Yeah. Not the restaurant. You know what I mean? So like you could just figure, you could just bring the vibrator to the restaurant and not do anything with it. And that would be like just the, the fact that it's there, you know? So. Oh, I love example. this. I love the baby step examples because I think that's a huge piece. I've done this uh, 10 out of 10 chef's kiss would recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this idea that First off, you have to have everyone around you, meaning like inside the restaurant has to also consent, right? So you don't, it's right. important to not impose your adventure on anyone else. Like that's an important piece to say. Um, it just brings you so much closer to your partner by you discovering what really it means to you to feel pleasure, to feel like deserving of that pleasure, to feel that you're deserving of saying it out loud and your needs are valid. And it just, there's so many more components than just the sexy vibrator, you know, mm -hmm. at the dinner table. And I just hope that that's what you can take away from this piece today is that there's just so much more healing and excitement and self-discovery that happens when you give yourself permission to begin to explore these pieces. So I have had a lot of shame 
in the past. I don't now I'm working on it. Right. But I, in the past, I've had a lot of shame because I can't orgasm just from a dick ever since I was raped back in college. Like a part of that has just shut off for me. I wish, and I'm working on it and I've done, you, you know, we've done all of our things, all of the, all of the healers, all of the things, and it's still not available to me yet. I'm open to that story changing. The other piece is I fucking love it in my ass. I'll tell you what, <laughs> it's great. It's so great. I need both. I love having all of my holes filled. Mm-hmm. And there's a shame around that. Like I have to feel like I'm a slut or something and not in like the hot slut because hot slut is is hot, but you know, it's like, there's shame for me still around that. I'm somehow not enough for him that, that, you know, that his dick is enough and that I need to have it in other orifices is my favorite way. Mm -hmm. And so, okay. You at home, you're like, Maybe you're blushing. Maybe you just chugged a bunch of water. I'm not expecting that on the spectrum that Alexa explained. I'm probably explaining like a 12 for a lot of you. Some of you are like, no, dude, that's a Tuesday, which is great. Whatever, wherever you are on the spectrum, you've got your own shame about your own thing, whatever it is, there's mine vocalizing it, which takes some of the shame away. What, what would you say to all of us as we begin to discover what we love and we still have this narrative that we don't deserve it, that we should feel shame about it, embarrassed? Mm. That's Mm. real fear. Yeah, totally. I mean, when I was in high school, I had Alexa is a slut written huge on the side of my house when I got, and it was in mustard and I was so embarrassed and I had to tell my mom and it was just there and it was on the side and the, the side, the way that the houses were on the street, you had like little individual driveways to go to the front door. So the side was what faced the road. And, uh, it was really big. And when we, and the house was painted, so, and it was painted this gray color. And then when we pressure washed this off, cause it like baked the sun, like baked it pressure, washed it off. Um, and then it stripped the paint. So it still set it after this came down. And so, you know, and my entry point to Facebook, which brought me to my husband, I only got an account for the first time because someone at school said, did you see what so-and-so posted about you on Facebook? I'm like, I don't even have Facebook. So I get on like a junior in high school and it's someone from high school wrote, you know, when it was like, uh, the way that the, you phrased the, the thing was different. It's different now than it was like, I don't know, however many years ago this was. And it, it just said, Alexa is a slut and I hate her. <gasps> so I totally like what would really help is more of us talking about the fact that this is all so common. It doesn't take the thing away, but it brings realness and it brings, I think a, a groundedness to it all. Like this isn't something that I have to be so tortured in. And it's also, you know, there's a difference between like, I'm sharing this so that I can connect with people so that we can all feel not alone, you know, less alone rather, uh, in this combo. But it's also not an opportunity to be victim and to commiserate with each other and to say men are so bad and this world is so bad. It's more like, hey, like our experiences are very similar and we have a lot of the same things that we're working through. And so how about we show up for each other? Because it's not like, a oh, just one day, I think, you know, I think my, my shame is healed. <laughs> no, it's like a multifaceted thing. And, and it goes 
I was like, oh, wow. I just experienced like some really, really amazing joy and bliss and spaciousness in my body. And I think, you know what? I think I'm not triggered by this word. Triggered meaning my nervous system gets flooded and I start to go into a bit of a trauma response, which would be fight, flight, fawn, freeze, something like that. Yep. Uh, and so it's like, oh, wow, spaciousness. Then a year or two goes by and then the circumstances are just right where the word slut comes up and I'm, whoa, holy shit, I thought I was done with this. There's more. So I think, you know, my message to all of you is that if you experience shame, if you experience guilt, if you experience for whatever the reason is, whatever happened to you, whatever happened that was too much, too fast, too soon, you're not only are you not alone, but it's okay to go at the pace of your, let's just say nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, uh, it's okay just to, to, to be with what comes up in your system in any given moment to literally just be with it. It doesn't mean you have to necessarily make a story around it or like, Oh, I'm, I'm so behind in my healing or, uh, I thought I was healed from this thing. Cause there's this idea that in doing healing work and working on yourself and personal development, that healing is going to have an end at some point. And it just doesn't, there's just way more, there's just more to go. And then there's new things uh, to heal from and to work on and work towards. And let me just tell you, our life gets to be this beautiful, dynamic, magical thing because of this. Mm-hmm. And it, you're not doing it in spite of this. It's these are the things that you grow through. And so um, I think my uh, message is, is it gets better. And then occasionally it doesn't feel like it got any better. And then it's better again. And my recommendation for all of you would be to put people in your life that can understand what I just described. Like put really high quality friends in your life, put high quality mentors, um, people you can confide in and create a support system and a support network around you that can catch you in the times when the thoughts and the emotions and the feelings and the sensations feel like they're spiraling you out of control. Like have a person that you turn to and go, I'm here right now. And they can hold you in that and let it move through. And then you carry on. So having really, really awesome support around you that they can understand where you came from and what made you, you, and they can celebrate you in that, that uh, has made such a massive difference. Understanding my nervous system and getting great friends has made such a difference (laughs) in my life. Amen. Same. And I hope that you share this episode with one of those people and thank them because I think sometimes it's just also nice to get to say like, that's by the way, this episode, the way that Alexa just said, that's you're, you're that person for me. Thank you (laughs) human for being my human. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. Healing your nervous system and having the support and you get to do those things. You deserve them. It's slow. And sex is a fantastic way to explore that, but it's not the only way to be intimate, Mm -hmm. to experience joy and pleasure, but it certainly is a really fun one. Yeah. I will say that. And sex, sex, I'll just, chime in really quick there is that sex is a, an energy that moves really fast. So sex can be very, very healing for so many people. Like we were just talking about the little girls experience, like that could be someone who got spanked as they were a kid. And then as an adult, they only experience turn on with a spanking. And so it's like, how do you, now you have agency and you have control and you can say when something starts and stops. And when you're into it, when you're not into it, when maybe this other part in your life, it was taken from you and it was done in a way that you did not 
agree to and you did not give consent. And so sex is a way that a lot of times you can create scenarios and scenes and you can go and, and move sexual energy through that with that consent and with that knowledge. And, um, and so there is a lot of healing there, but sex in general moves very fast. You can go from like, wow, this is hot to holy fucking shit, stop red eject button, pineapple, whatever your word is like this must end. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just, I think, I think in like my, my last piece is like, have a lot of respect. Like if you want to, um, yeah, if you want to, uh, use sexual energy and sex to grow and use it as an aspect of personal development, which I am so here for just have a lot of respect and reverence for what sex is because sex is going to have all of us way more than we are going to have it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. The church of Alexa. Thank you so much. That sex chick. She knows the thing or two, doesn't she? (laughs) All right. I will link all of those pieces that we talked about below. I would love to hear your questions after this episode, send them over to us. Thank you for being here today. That was a full body fuck. Yes. For me. Same Z's Abby. Thank you for having me. Sincerely. Thank you. Really. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Full Body Fuck Yes podcast with me, Abby Gibb. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And it would mean the world if you leave a review so others know how kick-ass these episodes are. And I'm a real person over on Instagram. So tag me in an IG story at Abby Gibb and let me know what landed in your heart the most today. Thanks again for listening.